welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. This is the Jeffrey Report for Season 1, where me and my brother John Hello. will go through the episodes from this season and we'll pick out our best album and best record cover and pick a party playlist from the featured artists. So first, we'll go straight to the big award, which will be the best album. So we're both going to nominate three which we've picked separately, so hopefully there will be some kind of overlap and we can maybe award the Jeff. Are we going to call the award something? The Golden, didn't we say the Golden Jeffrey? So the Golden Jeffrey, okay. So yeah, let's call it the Golden Jeffs or the Golden Jeffreys and they will get a solid gold figurine of somebody called Jeffrey, I think, in the post Or, or they might not get that. Yeah, we can't be held responsible for the postal service. (laughs) Very true. So, uh, yeah, it will be a solid gold figurine of a Jeffrey sent sent to the artist who we pick. And having blown the budget on solid gold for all these Jeffrey figurines, we can't actually afford recorded delivery. So what are your nominations for the top album then? Okay, well, this I thought was, it's, it's incredibly hard, I think, because we've obviously yeah. started off with quite a few of our favourite bands. So my top three, or my three nominations are Thick as a Brick, Black Holes and Revelations, and Genius of Kameda. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there isn't actually any initial crossover, because my my initial three were In a Bar Under the Sea by Deus, Animals by Pink Floyd, and uh, Radioheads. And this was a difficult one. In the end, I went for In Rainbows, because I think that's my favourite Radiohead album. So I kind of went for that. But I also had, I wanted to sort of specially mention uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, by Fiona Apple and Genius of Commander. Okay, so we don't have any any crossover, really, not officially. Well, I can say immediately that for me, Black Holes and Revelations doesn't figure. So I would like to sort of strike that one off. Uh, Thick as a Brick certainly was kind of in the back of my mind. It is certainly a, a brilliant album. So I, I I'm sort of okay as sort of bringing that into the into the discussion. But I would let's take off Black Holes and Revelations. I mean, Thick as a Brick, as part of the big start of the podcast, really, had to be on there for me. The Ideal Crash was on the list for a little bit, but then I had to, I basically had to make sure Genius of Kameda was on there, just because it's such an awesome album. The thing thing is, I mean, for me, those first two Deus albums are possibly the closest I've maybe heard to being what I think is just probably sort of bang on the top of where my musical taste sits. So... And I do think In the Bar Under the Sea is better than Worst Case Scenario, although I think they're both just incredible albums. In fact, all four of the first four DS albums are great. So for me, that In the Bar Under the Sea is just one of my all-time favourites. So that's why that got picked. Genius of Commedia was definitely on my top five. So that that might be the one that's that's kind of just about in the crossover. I, I suppose, knowing you, we can discount the Radiohead, my Radiohead suggestion, knowing that you're not a big Radiohead fan. Yeah, I'm, I think so. I do like In Rainbows, but to pick it as a, a best of, so a, a best album would be stretching it. And obviously Fiona Apple, I would not, not be happy with that album. No, that's obviously not your cup of tea, although I think it's a, a fantastic album. But understandably, it's it, it's not on your list, so we have to discount that. Talking Heads are kind of um denied, but the truth is I just prefer the other albums I mentioned. Yeah, I was expecting you to pick a Talking Heads album. Yeah, no, I, I, they, they're just not quite for me personally up to the level of the top two or three Pink Floyd albums that I adore, the top couple of Deus albums that I really like, and the top 
two or three Radiohead albums I really like. They, they, to me, they're just a cut above. But it sounds like the only thing that we can sort of agree on here is Kameda, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be the only kind of crossover. So we either, I think, award the Golden Jeff to Kameda or we don't award on a stalemate situation. No, I don't think we should have stalemates. Going back to my three, so in a bar under the... Well, we're dropping one of them. We're dropping Radiohead because you won't put that yeah. in the, quite, the, quite the same level. So would you sanction either Animals by Pink Floyd or... In a bar under the sea by Deus. I don't think In a Bar Under the Sea is strong enough for me. I know it's a really good album, but at the level we're talking, I don't think it's quite there for me. Animals is really good. As we've discussed Animals, all the songs are great and it is really good, but it's never been my favourite. So to pick it as you know, to get the Golden Jeff seems slightly too high. And I feel that about all Pink Floyd, as much as I love a lot of Pink Floyd. I wouldn't. I didn't think any of their individual albums were actually that close to getting onto this list. Let's just come to a decision here then. We seem to be homing in on the fact that The Genius of Commander was in your top three. It was in by honourable mention. I had to, to very, very reluctantly drop it from my top three. So it is an album that I adore. So I'm I'm okay with that. Let, let's let's award the Golden Jeff to our to our friends from Umia for their fantastic second album. That, that is decided then. The first Golden Jeff goes to Kameda for the genius of Kameda. So as a little aside, obviously we're always trying to be positive, but sneakily, while nobody's listening, probably no, nobody would, is listening. Say that would apply to all of our <laughs> output. <laughs> no, um, what about worst album? The, the, well, there aren't that many that have felt like really hard work. Most albums have had something to say and there's something enjoyable about them. I, sus- I guess the sort of lower reaches of Pink Floyd with Umagummers, because uh, we didn't include the live album, so the Umagummer studio album I think is probably the low point for me. Uh, Jeffrey Toll's Under Wraps is pretty appalling, uh, but there weren't that many other low points from my perspective. There, were bits there weren't as good as others, for sure, mm. but I guess I would go for Umagummer or Under Wraps. Interesting. Not surprising, really. No, not surprising at all, really. Yeah, because I was thinking about that, and I I basically came up with Umagumma, because I do think it's dreadful, and Fetch the Bolt Cutters would be a nomination. I, I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. It's such a good album. And then I was looking for a third nomination, and I think if I had to have a third nomination, I think it probably would be King of Limbs, Radiohead. But... I felt it was unfair on Radiohead to lump them in with those two albums, which I think if I was awarding, it would go to Umagumma, because I do think that just it is so dreadful. And it's kind of that dreadful because they haven't really tried or not even done it properly. Yeah, it is kind of quite a lazy album, isn't it? It, it, it does feel like it, it, here's a band that are just kind of not really trying very hard, just doing some stuff as if almost any sound they produce is worthy of putting on record. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy to award them the the wooden spoon or the dusty bin or whatever the Jeffrey equivalent is, yeah. even though we don't actually award it. Well, what would you make a Jeff out of? It would have to be Jeff from Prisoner Cell Block H, the effigy, because um, he was a bad egg. I don't know if you remember. I do remember because they pronounced it like Jif. Yes, which they? made us laugh all the yeah. time. J I W F Jif. Um, so it would be an effigy of him, but I don't know what we should make it out of. Obviously, it can't be gold. It would be. Me- it could. It could be a melted down dusty bin. 
I guess, but we're not awarding it. It's, this is only kind of imagine, imaginary, Un- unlike the solid gold versions, which are true. Of course, yeah, they'll, they'll be posted out in the morning. So we're going for it. We're going for sort of a melted down bin, molded into GIF from Prisoner Silver Cage, which would go to Pink Floyd for Umagumma. Yes, that's correct. I think okay. we decided on that. Okay, and he would have a comedy red nose like Dusty Bin. The other golden Jeffrey that we'd like to award is for the best cover, because I think the whole way that an album is packaged and put together is a real part of the experience. And it certainly was more so in the old days of vinyl. To me, that was a huge part of getting it home, looking at it. If it was gatefold, that was so much the better. You would look at the inner sleeve and there might be more information. You'd read it and you'd get all excited about that. And I, I used to just love that that whole experience. And now, of course, with CDs, well, not now, subsequently with CDs, you had a little booklet, which, again, could be fantastic. So the packaging for me was always quite a big part of it. So what nominations do you have for best cover or best pack- best packaging, I should say? Okay, yeah, I just kind of went with best cover, so I didn't kind of go with the sort of all-encompassing packaging. But I do, it is an important part of the album, even now, even though you might not have a physical product of any kind, I still do think it is, it is important. Yeah, but it is less important, unfortunately. It is something that we've lost. We've gained a lot but uh, in terms of accessibility, but we have lost that, I think. Yeah. So I know we said three nominations, but in true Jeffrey style, I've, I got it down to five. Okay. So, But it is traditional to break all our rules. Um, at least once. I have on my list um, Hail to the Thief, More Songs About Buildings and Food, Origin of Symmetry, Wish You Were Here and Animals. And there's quite a few more. Certainly Absolution was kind kind of on my list as well, which um, I, I took it off because I thought doing six nominations would be a bit too much. Well, I only had three, actually, because I, I was a bit... Well, no, well, did I? Did I have five? I had five initially because I had the White Stripes debut, the White Stripes. I had Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd as well. I had The Genius of Kameda, which to me would win Best Packaging. The packaging, I think, is is wonderful. I also had Hell to the Thief as well. So I had four of my three. Oh, and Thick as a Brick in terms of packaging, because I think if you actually think about Thick as a Brick with the old newspaper packaging, and you've got a whole thing that Jeffrey Hammond Hammond and Ian Anderson wrote, invented an entire fake newspaper, I think that deserves a special mention for the cover. Yeah, that's true. I've not even thought of that one. So we've got an overlap of two. I wish you were here or hail to the thief. Yeah. So I would be tempted to decide on wish you were here, because it's all, possibly because I've known it for longer, but it's always been kind of a favourite cover. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't really have much of an argument constructed. Uh, I do like all of those covers, and there's lots of ones we haven't mentioned, which I think are great as well. I've got enough. I haven't got an analysis here or anything, so let's just agree. Let's just go with that. Then let's go for a golden Jeff for the Pink Floyd for the Wish You Were Here. If it had been actually packaging, I think Genius of Commander would would have been in for the double. Yeah, well, I, they were they were my top choice. So so definitely that that that, that was what I was imagining would, would win. I thought that was going to be fairly fairly straightforward, actually. But there we go. You never know what's going to happen, do you, when you open the envelope and you reveal the name. So there we go. It's it's nice to give Pink Floyd an award. They certainly deserve it after a a career of an incredible kind of uh, high points there in the middle of it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Do we, I mean, do we want to give an award for best 
uh, homoerotic attraction to a man in terms of how we both kind of like zoned in on Mauro Pulowski. Are you going on like, banging on about Mauro? And you're trying to drag me into it as well. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's cool. We all like Mauro. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe, um, maybe we could just... But I, I'm not sure. It, it It's quite a man crush with me, but obviously it is very cool. Is there maybe a, a, a broader award then for coolest customer, which might include people like Jack White and Fiona Apple as really kind of quite cool together, really quite uh, stylish individuals? Yeah. Yeah, we could do. Yeah, sort of the, the coolest dude of the series or something like that. Well, they would be my three nominations, I think. Of Jack White, Fiona Apple and Mara Pulowski from Deus, or X of Deus. Of course, he's now left, unfortunately. I think they're, they're the three that, to me, cut the coolest jib. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, if we're, if we're picking the coolest person generally, it's got to be, I think it has to be Mauro, doesn't it? I'm very happy with that. Very happy to uh, send Mauro a, a golden Jeff for coolest customer. Because obviously, you know, we all, we all have great fondness for uh, John Evan of Jeffro Tool, but I'm not sure cool would be the word. No. <laughs> it depends, really, you know, if we're like best character, perhaps. Yeah, he, John Evan will be in there. He might be the best character. That's true. Yeah, I think he was. He was definitely Jethro Tull's strongest character. Although Glenn Cornick, I think, would would run him close as well. But yeah, he, he was a very strong character. Meg White as well has very managed to sort of very understated be quite a strong character. I think. Yeah. Yeah. True. But, um, certainly, having watched a few of the interviews, she's quite strong. It's just because she's quite she's quiet. She's a naturally quiet person. But she still manages to have a certain amount of sort of glamour and, and stage presence. Um, despite obviously not being a great musician either. She she does pull it off very well, but then Jack is super stylish, isn't he? But we're going with Mario Pulowski as our uh, Golden Jeff for Coolest Dude. Is that the phrase you yeah. used? I've been watching Cool Dudes Walking Club on uh, YouTube. Cool, cool Dudes is a, a prominent phrase at the moment. Okay, well, there we go. That's that one sorted. Going Looking at all of what we've all these albums that we've listened to over the past few months, would you say that any of these have really come through as a great surprise for you? Like a great disc, what you might describe as a great discovery? Of albums I already knew, I would say that's Jeffro Tull. And so that would be, you know, Heavy Horses particularly, possibly also Roots to Branches. In terms of like a, a new thing, something coming through, of, I didn't really know Talking Heads and I, I like a lot of their stuff. So that's been really good coming through. And I still, I do listen to them a bit now. I was listening, I've been listening to them this week, even obviously we've, you know, did the podcast months ago. And also I think as a sort of side project, something coming else in as well is that the Woodlands album, which is Marcus Holmberg's, a band he was in since Kameda. I've listened to that album a lot and that's really good. Yeah, I think that's a really good album. I agree. I really enjoy putting that on and I'm quite often in the mood for it as well. It's, it's, that's a great shout, I think, for Discovery. And I also had on on Kameda Coco Meme Dada, their fourth album, which when it came out, I didn't really give it the attention it deserved. So when we were doing this, I listened. I knew the other the other three albums reasonably well, but Coco Meme Dada, I really got to like a lot. So I think that for me was a real a bit of a revelation. And and I agree about Jethro Tull. I mean, Roots to Branches was the big one for me that I kind of never really bothered with and, and really did enjoy and thought this is actually a really good album. And I'm quite surprised how much I like it. I, ju- I just was turned off about it at the time. So that, that was that was really nice to discover. 
So for me, they would probably be the big two, Coco, Mimi, Dada, and Roots to Branches, the two sort of big discoverers. Yeah, so if we were rewarding a Golden Jeff, which I don't, we're not going to hear, are we? But I think it would probably go to Roots to Branches. I don't think we can, because it relies on us not knowing something, first of all. And that's kind mm. of that's not really fair on lots of other great albums, which we just happen to know. So it doesn't really work. Yes, you're right. You're a wise man. So this is a future Jeffrey podcast intervention. The following bit, we go through the nine artists who we covered and talk about them a bit and pick our playlist songs. It turned out to be quite boring. So you will find that the next bit is heavily edited for your own sanity. Yeah, I wouldn't say quite if we were bored and it was us talking. I I fear for the poor listener. So first of all, the first episode we did was Jeffro Tull. So I've been doing quite a bit of reading since that podcast. I've read a few interview books for a New Day magazine. There's a series of just their interviews basically put together. And it's some of that's quite interesting. First, the thing is Glenn Cornick really didn't like their first album. And there was an interview with him. And he was quite scathing about this was. He just said it was not very good songs, played not very well, not very well recorded. And he, he really didn't, he just thought it was quite a poor album. I'm kind of with him there to some extent. That's a bit harsh, but I, I do get the point. I don't think it's that good. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, bet, no, I think for a, for a blues album, it's incredibly listenable for me as somebody who's not that into blues. But obviously that was just his opinion anyway. So I just thought it was quite interesting to... Uh, to, to hear that, you know, he actually had that opinion. I mean, how, how disappointing it must be that the first chance you get to make a proper album and record it, and then you don't really like it. That must be so disappointing. I mean, I think from what, obviously, Ian, Ian Anderson says about the album as well, it sounds like, artistically, they'd moved on anyway. And because he sort of said they picked the This Was title as a moniker for it because it was something that they just knew they were not going to keep on doing or do anymore. All right, so it referred to the fact that it was. It's the past. Yeah, because I mean, as Ian Anderson says in a few interviews, he he sort of he said that basically blues is in American black music, and he said, and I don't feel particularly American or particularly black, <laughs> which is fair enough. So I think that was, he wanted to, I think, move on and do something different, and sort of felt it wasn't sort of sincere, genuine doing that that's quite yeah it's, it's an odd thing i mean a lot of people that popularized the blues of course weren't black and and weren't american you know led zepp with a blues bass the yardbirds john mail uh fleetwood mac loads of uh, blues really sort of came to britain and was went through rolling stones of course came through a process and ended up being something quite different so i don't i don't know if that quite stands up but i mean it's it's obviously entirely up to him what he wants to record yeah, I also think they did their own version of it. It certainly is, you know, there's a Jeff, there's Jeff Rotol in there. It's not they weren't just doing blues standards. No, and they do. I mean, they still sound pretty bluesy on the following albums for the next two or three albums, anyway, which sort of disappears fairly quickly. I think after that. The the other bit I was going to sort of say is because our main talking point for Jeff Rotol non musically is the 1980 split of the band. Yeah, and again, going by these interviews that I've read, it was quite interesting that basically Barry Barlow had already left the band anyway, even though he was supposedly sacked. But he had agreed with Ian Anderson that he he had left because he was going to leave and start a band with John Glascock and a couple of other non-Jeffro people. But obviously John John Glascock died basically the day the other day before they were going to officially leave. 
And David Palmer, he said that basically he thought it was the end of the line for him as well. And I don't know if that's with hindsight, but he said he felt he wouldn't have spent much longer in Jeffro Tull anyway. So I think it's just John Evans who kind of got left in the lurch more than anyone. But it, obviously it's still a shame it happened. Well, that does make sense. I mean, John Evans seems to be the only one who still holds a bit of a grudge on this. Barry Barlow's appeared at Jeffro Tull events. So Deep Palmer has as well. So... It does seem to be John Evan was the one who really kind of was most hurt by the whole process. And also, new news that's been released since is that Ian Anderson, I think, has said in not so many words that the coverage from our podcast has um, meant that he's decided there's now interest enough in, in the band to release a new album. Well, that's that's the power of Jeffrey, And I, I think we'll actually see that later on as well, that uh, us drawing attention to this band has uh, has really kind of been a Philip in their in their development, so that's good news. Yeah, well, it's nice to help them out a little, yeah, isn't it? It is. And, it may uh, be put the spotlight on them again. Absolutely, absolutely. That band has never recorded as Jethro Tull, so I look forward to it. So, shall we try and pick our party playlist tracks? Yeah, can we just make, can I just make a quick point as well? Because when we did Pink Floyd in our last episode, we put on a live track at the end, and it kind of spurred us to think about the idea of putting live tracks on the playlists when those live tracks kind of really told a story about how good the band was live and as we're both kind of big lovers of live music i thought it should become a thing where we put a live track on so i'd like to propose that we put a live track on the bottom of this list because jeff rettel have such a good live band okay and what track are you thinking of well i was thinking thick as a brick because there's some really good live versions of sort of eight minute ish live versions of Thick as a Brick, and seeing as that was the top album anyway, I thought that would be a good one from there, either from Bursting Out or, or something like that, or one of those sort of 70s real peak period Thick as a Bricks. Yeah, the Bursting Out version is excellent, so we, we could put that on. Let's do that. Okay. So the playlist. We agreed that we would try and pick a track from our top album. <laughs> So with episode one, we're going to have to break that rule, I think, because we can't really do that. But I was thinking Thick as a Brick was almost tied with Aqualon. So we could take Aqualon as our sort of nominated top album and pick a track from there. Yeah, OK. I'm OK to do that. Yeah, I hadn't prepared that. That wasn't one of my top three, but uh, but OK. Well, do you, do you want to give us your top three then? Well, I'd gone, work from I'd gone from the actual playlist and I just picked three from there which were We Used to Know from Stand Up, Jump Start from Crest of a Knave, and either Black Sunday or Checkered Flag, which are not necessarily my top three Jeff Rattle tracks, but I thought they would be quite a nice balance on the playlist, because it is a party, after all. Indeed, yeah. Because I, I was thinking, as I said, Aqualung is the... If we take that as our top album, we should pick a song from there. But we could skip that, because it, it wasn't our top album. The song I was going to sort of put my foot down about is Life is a Long Song. I'm very happy with that because it's such a good song. So that's fine by me. And I was also going to suggest We Used to Know. Okay, well, that's obviously on there then. And I wasn't sure about the third track, so we could leave Jump Start on because that is quite jolly. I, I think that would get, you know, if that came on in a party, I think, you know, everyone would be jumping up and dressing in white clothes and doing the dance. Yeah, and there's a bit of wooing in it. There is, there? there's wooing at the end, which is fun. Okay, so we've got our three tracks. Yep. Life is a long song, We Used to Know, and Jump Start. So if we move on to Deus, our second episode. Well, we do, we do have a little bit more information on Deus since we did the podcast. 
something around the sort of Craig Ward when he left the band uh, and what happened there. So it was similar to what we were saying about how how sort of Tom Barman was very much kind of wanting to turn Deus into a fairly fairly sort of big pop band, and and it was people like. Rudy Trevay, uh, Steph Carlins, and then and then afterwards Craig Ward, who were really kind of trying to be a bit more experimental, and th- that tension was what created those first four great albums. Uh, and, and eventually, I think Craig Ward tired of that, and and that's partly why he left. But we we sort of thought that maybe we 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 weren't aware that Tom was the one who was the more kind of pop orientated, or the more kind of the more mainstream orientated. Uh, I kind of assumed that he was a real force for that kind of that that brilliant sound that they had at the beginning that was kind of real felt so new and fresh and experimental but but that was he he was more the balance of of kind of pulling it all together in 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 a more mainstream sense so we didn't know that that was interesting and similar to Jeffrey Toll since the podcast they've also decided to make a new album yeah this was more of a quicker reaction but yes, Jeff, Jeffrey did it again, and uh, we, we've got a new album in the pipeline. 100% record so far. So our tracks are Instant Street, Catraman, and Fell Off the Floor Man. Great, okay. So just in terms of putting a live track on, there is very little live material available for Deus. So they haven't done a live album or anything like that, but on Worst Case Scenario Deluxe Edition second disc, there are actually a number of live tracks. Among them is one of my favourites, Morticia Chair. So that would be... I mean, there's not a lot of choice. There's only these four tracks. I think there are only four tracks uh, available live. But Morticia Chair, can we put that on the bottom of the list? We we can if you want. I mean, are we putting this on for the sake of? Or is it... Am I just... Well, yes, a little bit. But I mean, if we're saying that there is something interesting and informative about hearing a band live, which is why we kind of want to try and include, include a live track from now on, and we don't have a choice here, where there's only four, and Morticia Chair is my favourite song of those four, then I think there's enough of a reason to put it on. Okay. So, okay, we'll, we'll put that on. I would say there is, on these selected songs, there is one live track on there, which is Sun Ra, but, we're, but I'm happy for the... Uh, to put your track on and if you want because I don't, I don't think there is great competition like you said there is only actually five tracks here so put your track on if you want yep let's put that onto the, that's what goes onto the main DS playlist yep so then we move on to episode three which is Radiohead is there any news there have the band been in touch John no no they've um, they haven't we don't have much from Radiohead and as far as we know they're not in the process of making a new album so Radiohead have kept a little bit of aloof from the whole uh, Jeffrey world which is a little disappointing, considering that they were nominated for Best Cover. Yes, well, hopefully they'll feel a little bit embarrassed. I, I imagine. I mean, I have been back and listened to a little bit of Radiohead since, and, you know, I wasn't entirely complimentary about everything they've done. And I do quite, as I've listened to In Rainbows a couple of times and enjoyed that. One of the things you said in the podcast was about Against the Bends, was how dated it was, which I'd not really considered. And... I do see where you're coming from, and I do think it is actually a little bit dated. I think that they just need to remix it, give it the remix treatment, and I think it would be polished back up to standard. That's quite possible, yeah. If it was was redone, it would be very interesting to hear what it sounded like if they did. Because I mean, it is a really good album, as I said to you at the time. I mean, it's sort of... And, and it was when it came out, it was just so good and so brilliant sounding. I found it very hard not to put it top, but then... OK Computer is so timeless sounding, despite the sort of couple of dodgy tracks on it. And then I just think In, in Rainbows is just such a good album, but it, 
it doesn't feel quite as special as the other two. It doesn't feel quite as special as OK Computer and The Bends. It just feels like a brilliant album. So I always struggle with those top three about how to put them in order. Yeah, I think that they are, they are definitely the top three, though, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I do think Moonshape, Pool and Kid A are the, and Hail to the Fee for the next three are looking at the list now. I do think we've, we've got this list pretty pretty good, actually. And I'm very happy with King of Linz at the bottom because I really do think that was did, didn't work. But what tracks are we going to put? Well, yeah, obviously, Party List with Radiohead. It's not something that obviously goes together. So that's Man of War, A Wolf at the Door and Just for Radiohead. And if we're going down the route of picking live stuff that's available on Spotify, again, not a massive amount of choice, but there is an I, an I Might Be Wrong release from 2001, which was which was just around the time of uh, Amnesiac and um, Kid A. So most of the tracks come from that period and that, that things which which is obviously not not the richest of pickings but still there might be a track there that i'd like that we could put on the uh, on the original playlist so i have a national anthem morning bell uh, idiotech everything in its right place all of those are pretty decent songs true love waits i might be wrong i, I think maybe you should just pick a track because it's not something i'm familiar with this album well let's go for i quite liked everything in its right place as a live number and they, they used to end some of the concerts with that, and I thought that was really, really effective, the way they ended with that and left the stage individually. So maybe maybe everything in its right place. Okay, that sounds like a good argument. And it would be the end of the playlist as well. That was my rather rubbish attempt at a sort of fuzzy Radiohead distortion thingy. Very clever. So, the next episode was episode four, which was Kameda. Well, we don't have any new news from Kameda since we recorded. They haven't taken our hint and recorded new album or anything like that, unfortunately. Uh, at least not yet. That, of course, may be in the offing. We don't know. But we haven't heard that they've decided to get back together again. I've, I've, I have watched a few things on YouTube. I mean, there aren't that many. They're not particularly present on YouTube or anything. But, you know, whenever you discovered a, an old Kameda live somewhere or other, all the comments underneath are saying things like, this band was so good. Why didn't they make more? Why weren't they more prolific? Why don't they get back together? All the comments are saying the same thing. So who knows? Yeah. All this pressure that we're bringing to it, maybe, maybe we'll reap reward. Yeah. Well, I mean, we certainly are piling on the pressure. I'm sure they, they can't fail to notice it. But I think at the end of the Marcus Holmberg episode, we are still discussing the possibility of a sort of B-sides and rare tracks compilation. And there's definitely enough for that. And judging by, I think there are enough people around to buy it as well. So they could have some easy money there. And I, I've been collecting quite a few. There's definitely enough. I think there'd be enough for a double album, never mind a single one. Well, yeah, I think certainly there is uh, enough material out there, as you say, to collect stuff, which would be great to have. But I would also really like to see something new. Marcus is still very active in the music world. Jonas is as well. Um, I don't know so much about Lena. And I don't know if they would just get back as a as, as a three as a trio rather than rather than going back to sort of Matthias or Henrik to get a guitarist in. But maybe maybe they just carry on as a three if they were to reform. So why not? You know, it doesn't have to be a full time thing. Come on, guys. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. But um, I'm not that hopeful it will happen. But but you never know. No, well, they've, they've, from the very beginning, they've sort of appear to have eschewed any of the sort of traditional routes that one might take to pop stardom. Where they, you know, as we mentioned in the in, in the podcast in the interview about how little they did in terms of marketing themselves, 
and even Woodlands, as you've mentioned, you know, you go to Woodlands website, it's way out of date. You know, they've they produced a brilliant album, but they only sort of hardly did any pressings of it. But you, you can find the Woodlands album on uh, Spotify. So I do encourage anyone listening to this to go and listen to it. Cause it's an absolute cracker. Yeah, I think it's behind the the singer. I think she's called Sarah Wilson. I think most of it is sort of from her, but it is actually quite comedy in style. Maybe yeah. that's in style, but it's, it is sort of that sort of varied indiness, sort of partly jolly and different things and varied at the same it's time. It's slightly rockier, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think if you had Lena's voice instead of Sarah's voice, and Sarah's a great singer, this isn't criticism. I only mean to say that if you had Lena's voice, which is a very distinctive voice, it would sound a lot like a, just a, a souped-up Rocky Kameda. So the three tracks there are Disco, It's Alright Baby, and Victory Lane. So the next episode was Talking Heads, one of your favourite bands. Yeah, and it would be no surprise to learn that Talking Heads are not getting back together, despite <laughs> our... Uh, our podcast but uh, but no they, they they remain in pretty similar position as before the the relationship with david byrne isn't quite what what it uh, what it was in the early days so since recording this we have actually listened to quite a few podcasts about it there's the sandman confidential who it was recorded by their sound man and he interviewed all four members of the band which i didn't think was that great actually didn't learn a huge amount from that uh, there's far too much of the interviewer talking and, and much less of the band and it felt a little bit more like just lots of reminiscing rather than it being any kind of new stuff coming out. And then there's the This Must Be Talking Heads podcast, which is really excellent, really interesting. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I mean, This Must Be Talking Heads, I really, really enjoyed. And even as somebody who's not a massive Talking Heads fan, but I, I do like most of their stuff, the the documentary that the has put together for This Is Talking Heads is, is really excellent and it would have been a lot easier if it had done it a few months earlier just before our podcast rather than releasing them just after but, but I have really enjoyed them. The Soundman Confidential ones I, I, I agree with what you said they are a little bit dry. I think the, the Jerry Harrison one I thought was the best of the four. I found that was was better but yes it was a bit more just sort of reminiscing and having a bit of a chat rather than you know sort of any sort of new information particularly. I've also, have you read Chris Francis' book? I haven't yet, no. It's on my Christmas list. Oh, okay. Because I have read that I didn't since, get it for Christmas. since the the podcast. Which, again, it is, it is enjoyable. I look forward to it. I definitely will read it. There was a, I think there was one bit where the, I got a little bit tired of the sort of detail of the tour because it was like going through it a bit much. But I, I think a, like a proper Talking Heads fan would be fine with that. And I think there was probably one, one or two too many digs at David Byrne that I would have edited a couple of them out. I think generally it's fine. And I, I kind of, he comes, you know, Chris Franz comes across as a really nice guy and I do sort of believe him. But there are a couple of digs, which is like, he repeats somebody else's opinion and he repeats a unsubstantiated rumour. And I think you probably should have edited those out. And it's not, I, w- I wouldn't have had those in. Well, I look forward to reading it. It does say it's definitely on my on my list, but I have so many books that I'm trying to read at the same time as it is. It's it's very hard for for it to get airtime. Yeah, the other thing that's come out as well while we're uh, in in between the podcast and now was um, an uncut ultimate music guide on Talking Heads, which is a magazine that goes through their history and their albums, and they rated every song. So I got my calculator out and worked out their album ranking using our system. Okay. Which I thought was quite interesting because it doesn't go with the normal 
if you go with all the rankings on on the internet, yeah. they're fairly similar. And this is completely different. So yeah, normally you would get Fear of Music, Remaining Light, as you probably top two, Speaking in Tongues probably yeah. three, uh, which is not what we did exactly, but that's kind of where you would go. And then you would get Little Creatures quite far down, we had it second. And you always get True Stories and Naked in one order or another at the bottom. That's right, yeah. So Uncut, just going, as I said, they, they didn't rate the albums individually, but they gave a mark for each song. So then I worked it out. So their top album was More Songs. Really? Yeah. Then Is this based on like an average? Because it's not based on the fact that it might have literally yes. more songs. You did an average. No, it's an it's average rating of right. the okay. songs on that album. So you know, add them all up, divide by the number of tracks. Yeah, I know how to do an average. Well, you didn't seem to. Um, yeah, so number one is More Songs, which is a great album. I do really like it. Speaking in Tongues came second. So that was our top album. It was, yeah. Then Fear of Music. Okay, yeah. Then Little Creatures. Wow. Yeah. Then Remain in Light. Okay. Fifth. Okay. Which is, is very rare. Then True Stories. Really? That's quite hype for True Stories. Yeah, only by one, though, to be honest, because 77 is below and then Naked is at the bottom, right. which is fairly standard. Yeah, I'm kind of OK with most of that, but I wouldn't put more songs at the top. If you moved more songs down, then I'd, the rest of it I'd kind of be OK with, really. Wouldn't be exactly my order, but... No, I think it's, it's not a it's not a bad chart. The fact that they've got Remaining Light further down is uh, is better. I have since listened to Remaining Light. I listened to it again, and it did improve. I didn't dislike it quite as much. Oh, that's good news. We we have it fifth as well, so that's that's okay. And okay. Fear of Music fourth. So, so I think that's everything, isn't it? So we need to pick some tracks. So our top album was Speaking in Tongues. Yeah. So I was going to suggest maybe Burning Down the House. It might be a little bit obvious. Yeah, I mean, it is our party playlist, so you, you can go a little bit obvious. That's okay. Okay. You don't want to clear the dance floor, no. do you? So do you have any other nominations? Well, I was... Because I, I do, actually. So I, th- I think I want to pick a track off Little Creatures. Which one? Well, I would want it to be either And She Was or The Lady Don't Mind, because I think they're both, like, five-star songs. Okay, so they're both the ones that are actually on our playlist. Uh, I, I, I yes. agree with you that they're both five-star songs and i agree with you i'm sort of between the two and not quite sure which one i like best but i'll probably say the lady don't mind but it's a it's a close run thing and i'd certainly be up for and she was absolutely no problem with that okay so do you have um another nomination well i was going to suggest life during wartime again thinking thinking up tempo you know try, trying to stick to the more party style Okay. Or Cities was my other thought from the same album, but just because it wasn't on the list, Cities would be another one. What about something from Stop Making Sense, though? Could do, yeah. We could go with a live version of, maybe like, maybe stick with live during one time, but live from Stop Making Sense. Yeah, that is really good as well. Have you seen the video of it? I, I watched the film um, for the podcast. So, when so you have last, then, yeah. That'll be last okay. summer. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, no, okay, go with that. Because that's really good live. The, the video of it is really, really enjoyable i do think and as i said in the podcast i do think fear of music is a little bit flat the sound so taking this version i think is a bit better so the three tracks we've picked are burning down the house the lady don't mind and life drawing wartime live so the next episode was muse muse were my choice 
So there's there's no news here particularly. They have been hinting at working on new material, but no specific album news in itself. I still haven't got a response from Chris about an interview for the podcast. I think we might have to just assume that he's not going to respond. Well, I think, you know, if, if he, when, when, should we say when he does, I'll tell him it's too late. Well, that sounds fair to me. Yeah, that'll uh, put him in his place. So our three tracks here are Knights of Sidonia, Uprising and Dead Inside. So live tracks for Muse, there's three albums on Spotify, Hullabaloo, Heart and Live at Rome Olympic Stadium. And one or two other bits, a B-side and uh, Live 8 as well. I do find, personally, that Muse live albums don't really capture the whole spirit of, of the gig. They are a really good live act, but I don't think these quite capture that. But I have decided that we'll perhaps pick off the harp album, Stockholm Syndrome, as it's a really good song from Absolution, which we've probably been a little bit harsh on in our actually picking the Jeffrey list because it ended up third but it is a cracking album and this is a good song from it are you waiting for me to comment sorry that was yeah you to answer then really oh right the thing yeah I, I, it's sort of don't care because I, I do agree that Muse are really good live and I think more or less anything that they play live is going to be good just because they're very good at playing live but it's I, I don't know I just don't care that much and it all, it all sounds a little bit the same to me once it starts getting live as well, because it's all got that massiveness about it. Oh, I don't know. You choose. You choose. I'm, not, I'm trying to avoid the word bombastic. So you just choose in case I accidentally say it and spoil the whole thing. So, OK, we'll put on Stockholm Syndrome then from the Harp album. Great. So the next episode after that was Fiona Apple. So, is there any news there, John? Has Fiona been in touch? No, sadly not. Even me, I feel I was quite honest and open about my uh, attraction to Fiona. But no, she didn't pick up on the hints. Yeah, strange. Yeah, I, I think so. She's playing hard to get. Despite your sort of less than enthusiastic response to, to Fiona's work, I've, I've listened a lot to certain bits and pieces. And I, my fondness for her talents and music and everything just grows. I just think she's absolutely wonderful. I'm not put off at all by your apathetic response to her stuff, really. And neither should you be, fella. Well, no, I, well you know, I did. I did like when the porn. Yeah, well, fur- further listens for me across it. Often, th- when you listen further and you, some, you get somebody else's opinion, it does kind of change your mind a little bit. You know, if, if you're willing to listen to that other opinion, mm. um, it does change your mind a bit, and you kind of maybe see the flaws or you see what's good about something you'd perhaps overlooked. But. Uh, you know, listening to Fiona, I, I, I increasingly really think she's a really innovative and interesting uh, artist. And I, I, I think she's great. I'm very happy for you, fella. Thank you. Well, one thing we did get on this, we did get some feedback on, on Twitter. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, Nice uh, to have a fan. Yeah, well, PK, known as Paul Casco, at Paul Casco, said... Sorry, guys, this has to be one of the worst conversations I have heard about F.A.'s music. And I'm assuming F.A. is Fiona Apple. That would be reasonable, I think. Yeah, and in context, that makes sense. It does. So I, so I, obviously thinking, oh, shit, is it really bad? Went off and listened to it again and thought, no, it's all right, it's all right. So then pretended I was, wasn't at all bothered and tried to be all mature and say to him, this is me now saying, thanks for listening. What, what do you think we got wrong? I'm at the same, you know, I'm thinking, fucker, you know, but I'm being almost super mature. So then PK responds, in my opinion, some songs 
in quotes, are too long, fall apart at the end, album is boring in the middle, is not very insightful criticism. Maybe research would have helped. That's a bit of a dig, isn't it? If he'd done some research, he'd know that we actually did quite a lot of research. Thank you. Then he says, anyway, good luck with the podcast. I was excited to listen to FA episode. It just turned out to be a paper bag. Winky face. Mm. So that's a little clever joke at the end there. So then I went back again, completely with my mature trousers on. Sorry you didn't like the podcast. We're not insightful music critics, just a couple of music fans who enjoy reading and talking about bands and sharing how the music makes us feel. Anyway, thanks for the feedback and hope you like some of the other episodes. No, damn well he's not going to listen to them. But And he didn't respond. So so I think I handled that reasonably well. That last one was slightly defensive, that last tweet, but only slightly. Well, hats off to you for being the, the bigger man there, fella. I was definitely the bigger man. Yeah, definitely the bigger there's no, man. no swearing or he could have just said, fuck right off or something well, along those it, lines. I mean, if somebody sends you a tweet which just says, that has to be one of the worst conversations I've ever heard, you think that's not particularly constructive and why would you share an opinion with the with the creator why would you share an opinion to say something something so negative but also so unconstructive yeah i think as well i i i think the answer to it is the fact that he, if you listen to all the other ranking podcasts or you know things on youtube it is people gushing about fiona apple saying how great she is and how you know, album X is slightly better than album Y, but they're all masterpieces. And obviously ours wasn't that because I didn't like most of it. And I think that was it because, you know, doing the research, if if you're a fan, you know there isn't actually a lot out there. And if you look at your notes, for example, it does actually say what we, we did research. So we did a little bit of research that we could. And the other thing, you know, like the, the comments about, you know, the song ending in a mess, it's kind of like, well, if you've heard that song, you will know exactly what I mean. You may disagree with it, which is fair enough, but it's a song that has two halves. One is kind of like a nice pop song, and the other one is kind of, and the second half is kind of freeform jazz. So if you listen to the song, you can't fail to know what I mean, but obviously disagree, fair enough. Well, I think there's two points here. I think one is we are putting out a product for other people to listen to, which is essentially here's our opinions about some music. Yeah. And that there's an element of that where you kind of think, so what? Why would I be interested in somebody else's opinion about music unless they are particularly well informed? They're a composer or they're a, you know a professional music critic. And there's always that kind of danger, I think, with this kind of thing and any any ranking thing. So to some of that you kind of think, yeah, I kind of get your point. Why would you really be that interested in our opinion? So part of me sort of thinks, yeah, okay, sort of get that. We try as best we're able to do the research. So we've got something, so we've got a broader and deeper understanding and we try and talk about our our opinions and how these, how, how, how the music makes us feel. And that's it. We don't pretend to be more than that, but I do accept that's, that's sort of got limited appeal, I guess. But then the other side of it, I did wonder about the research. I mean, reasonably, it's reasonably well known that Fiona Apple was raped as a, as a teenager in, in her building in New York. And following that, which is about 14, she then relocated to, to the West Coast. Mm. And I deliberately didn't mention it. And even though it probably does inform quite a lot of the anger and the, and the emotion in the first album in particular, I deliberately chose not to mention it. And that was, in, in more recent interviews, Fiona's kind of almost tired of talking about it. And she sort of said, that doesn't define me anymore. That's ancient history. Of course, it was traumatic at the time. Of course, it was a massive deal. But she's, you know, in her 40s now and... It's not who she is anymore. 
So I kind of decided to deliberately not mention that because it felt like a bit of an, an obvious thing to say, an obvious trope that wasn't who she is now. So I don't know, maybe that was the wrong call because it obviously was relevant to her, to her first album. But I just made the conscious decision not to do that, having heard her talk about it in interviews. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd read that as well, but I'd also read an interview that she said, these songs are not about that. She said, actually, it was too traumatic and stressful and upsetting for her to write about. Although, I, obviously, it got to affected what she has done. And so for the, the same reason, I also didn't think we should be bringing that that up. Is we, I think I have to take her at her word that it, the songs aren't about that and that we shouldn't be. And it's, you know, we're a, we're a ranking podcast. We don't need to get into that kind of stuff. Well, I think it probably couldn't fail to, to leak into her uh, early work in particular. But as you say, we've got to take her at her word on that. And, and, and we just chose to sort of respect and not mention it. But then I, I don't know if that's what he meant. I don't know, but that was part of me wondered if that's what he meant because it was, you know, a reasonably well-known thing. How could you fail not to mention it if you're talking about that? How can you fail not to respect blah blah blah? But anyway, let's let's. It, it's somebody else's opinion, and it's 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 entirely invalid and wrong. So let's just ignore it. So the three tracks we have here are Paper Bag, Window, and Shamaker. Also, just for Fiona Apple, before we move on, we didn't get a live track for her and there is on spotify that is a itunes original set of live songs so what about one of those just about on the bottom yeah if you're happy with that as um oh sailor is on there which is a song i like if you're happy with picking that one yeah that's fine that's from extraordinary machine let's go for that let's put oh sailor on the bottom of the of the regular playlist this is getting confusing isn't okay. it okay <laughs> So the next episode was The White Stripes. There's no news here particularly. They scheduled their, the release of their Best Off album to coincide with the podcast to try and ride the wave of interest that we would create. It, it was interesting because then, there was, of course, people could compare their list with our list and see what they got wrong, couldn't they? Yeah, and it, they did get quite a lot wrong, actually. I don't know if you, if you did compare the lists, but... Um, it was quite different, wasn't it? It was surprisingly different. Yeah. I, you'd think that, you know, being the originators of the actual music, they would have got that more right. But there you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's easy to say in hindsight, perhaps, but I don't know about you, but they didn't contact me and ask. No, well, I think they, they obviously put it together beforehand and then obviously just decided to release coincide the release. So I, I wouldn't I would be surprised if they, you know, they would have prepared this well before the podcast and just seen the opportunity yeah, maybe that would explain that that error. So what 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 songs do you think? So our three tracks there are Take Take Take, A Martyr for My Love for You, and I'm Finding It Harder to Be a Gentleman. So the final episode was Pink Floyd. Again, not really known as the go-to band for party playlists. So again, this might might offer us a little challenge. Yeah, I think definitely we'll have to have a Especially struggle. if we have to pick from our top album. <laughs> yeah. It's the least party album of all time. Oh, God, yes. I'd not thought of that, but we do have to. You can't put, like, throw dogs on and go, you know, dance floor, everyone. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a pigs on the wing. Yeah, well, I was going to suggest that because I was, of our three-hour podcast or whatever it is, around two and a half hours of that is me banging on about trying to get pigs on the wing there. So maybe this will be a way around that and to actually get it on here. Okay. 
I'm happy with that. Pigs on the Wing Part 1, I would suggest, rather than Part 2. I don't know why, but I just prefer Part 1. Okay, that's fine. And it gets us out of the picking a party song off animals. So, do you have any other suggestions? Well, if we go in the sort of the more obvious route, you've got things like money, wish you were here, not neither of which made our, our, our list. Yeah, I'm just looking at the wall. I mean, we didn't put, I know Comfortably Numb Live got on there, but we didn't pick the actual normal record, which again, it's not going to get many people up on the feet to dance, but it's a good track. It is, yeah. But I actually don't think it's anywhere near as good on the wall as it is live, because partly because they fade out David Gilmour's guitar solo. Oh, they do, don't they? Yeah. And we've discussed fade outs. So we won't go there again. But yeah, we uh, strongly disapprove anyway. So I, I, I wonder if Money as it, it, money is a cracking track. I mean, it, it, it is good. I, I don't think it's the strongest track but by any means on, on Dark Side of the Moon. But I do really like it. And it is an obvious kind of poppier or more accessible song as well. Run Like Hell possibly is, is similarly from from The Wall. As I said, Wish You Were Here, of course, which is a, a very popular song with the casual fan. Yeah. Or one of the early singles, like an Arnold Lane. There is, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, we should really be looking on a collection of great dance songs, shouldn't we, for the party playlist? Well, that's got money on it, for example. It does have money on it. Well, it's a different version, and I actually don't like the version as much because they had to re-record it, didn't they, for uh, copyright reasons. Oh, okay. I think it's David Gilmore playing the bass on it, playing all the instruments on it, probably. I mean, they've got, like, the fuller version of Another Brick in the Wall. What would you prefer? Which way do you want to go here? Well, I prefer the... If we're going to go with money, I prefer it from Dark Side of the Moon version. Okay. Do you want to go with money? I think so, yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm drawn to the idea of, a, of an earlier, an early track. What about See Emily Play? Yeah, See Emily Play Around All Day, one of those sort of first couple of singles, which are actually pretty good, those two singles. They are, yeah. I, I like them both. Yeah, me too. So I, I think one of those, whichever one of those you, you like best... I like them both. I haven't listened to either of them in quite a while, but in my head, I think I prefer See Emily Play, but I'm not sure. Well, let's go for that then, because as I say, they're both very good. I have a slight more fondness, I suppose, for Arnold Lane, just because of the version that David Gilmore did with David Bowie. But I don't know if that's really good enough reason. They're, they're both really good tracks. I don't know if you can hear squeaking in the background here, but I'm afraid the I dog... can. I'm assuming that's Daisy. Uh, yes, Daisy is making another appearance, and she's playing with her squeaky crocodile toy. I don't want to discourage her. No, don't. Don't to uh, encourage the creativity in the little ones. So the three tracks for Pink Floyd are Pigs on the Wing Part 1, Money and See Emily Play. Sounds a bit weird now you say it like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's it, isn't it? We've got our party playlist. Yeah, we're ready to party. Season 1 is it done. And Jeffrey Podcast onwards and upwards. So we'll be back soon with Season 2. 